sound that needs to be released. That sound is worship. That sound is worship. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Come on, what's the highest praise? Sing it, hallelujah. just celebrate God. Let's just celebrate God. Worship Him. Just take a moment and worship the Lord. I believe the Bible declares that He is worthy of the praises of His people. Worthy is the Lamb of God that taketh away the sins of the world. He is worthy of our worship. He is worthy of our praise. Hallelujah. You must worship Him in spirit and in truth. Hey, glory, hallelujah. It's the sound of, it's a sound that reverberates into heaven, right into the throne room of God. It causes God to inhabit your very presence and place. For the Spirit of the Lord is in our midst. The outpouring of the Holy Ghost is here because He hears a sound. Let him hear a sound right where you are. Let the Lord hear a sound. Let him hear your voice lifting before him. Now just Shabbat God, just Shabbat God, just Shabbat God. Come on, just Shabbat God. Oh, saturate the atmosphere with your praise. Hallelujah, the sanctuary has been saturated. 
Saturate your car right now. Saturate your living room. Saturate your kitchen. Saturate your bedroom. Saturate your family room. Walk around your house and just saturate the Lord. Saturate the atmosphere with the presence of your praise. Let your neighbors know that where you stand is holy ground. Let the atmosphere recognize you're calling on the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We are so grateful to God for his tremendous mercies, for his loving kindness for us. Hallelujah. So thankful to the portion of the praise team that has come out here to be with us this morning to lead the people of God in worship, in praise. Hallelujah. I believe that we're moving into a deeper level of our intimacy with God. God has been dealing with us on a relational level. He's trying to introduce, he's trying to break that separation. He's trying to get us enveloped in his love. Hallelujah. He's trying to move us from transactional love to unconditional love. He's trying to break free from our immaturity. He's trying to raise our spiritual awareness, hallelujah, of that which he desires of us. Hallelujah. Not tasks, but fellowship. Hallelujah. 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 Last week, we talked about how God is so much bigger, so much greater, so much more than all the these things, those, that's in existence. He is so much more than his creation. He is so much more. And because he is more, the level of our relationship with him is more than what we have come to know. And I believe that in this last day, even as the Spirit of God is pouring out His Spirit, turn me down a little bit, even as God is pouring out His Spirit upon all flesh, it's a desire to propel us to break a barrier that exists between He and us. Hallelujah. Leads me to my sermon for the day. What is, who is man in the mind of God? Hallelujah. Just before we get into the word today, I want to encourage everyone. We first salute you and thank you for taking this opportunity to join with us in praise and worship, to Join with us in hearing of the word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing and hearing the word of God. Your faith, that seed of faith that God has implanted in your life, it develops, it grows, it matures, it increases. It, 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 it allows you a level of understanding and clarity and grace and power and truth 
as you hear the word of God. Hallelujah. And I'm so excited for you that have come to join with us today. And I won't belabor the point. I've tried to limit uh, what we're going to get in today just to save time to get you through your day. I know that this is a holiday weekend and we're uh, all planning probably cookouts and fellowship and all those things within the, uh, the ability that we can under the current uh, climate that we are in with the continued uh, pandemic pre presence in this nation, but we're still yet believing God. As your pastor, it's in, important that I lead you in wisdom. It's important that I teach you the word of God and direct you in the things that you're doing so that you can live a life that is full of God's abundance. Amen. Hallelujah. And in so doing, we are looking forward to the return of the congregation to this house of God. I understand. I know that uh, we are the the body of man is the temple of the Holy Ghost. It is the place where God dwells. So uh, we don't uh, necessarily have to uh, come into one physical building because wherever we are, we are the church. And because we are the church, we can praise God because God inhabits the church, which means he inhabits our body. So wherever our body physically is, there is the church of God. I understand that. I understand that. But God has called us into a fellowship of believers with a desire that we forsake not the coming together. Hallelujah. There is something special about the coming together of the people of God. This is one of the reasons why the enemy has been so excited over this last few months when the church has allowed itself to um, uh, follow the rules and regulations of them that have authority, the governmental agencies that have authority over us and the instructing of that which is healthy for us to, to prevent the continued spread of this pandemic. And we follow those instructions. But as man has begun to loosen the restriction, the enemy is still fighting to keep the people of God from coming together. It's okay, uh, they're opening now, to, at the end of this month, all of the entertainment places, obviously with a, with a new look. There'll be social distancing, there'll be a spreading out uh, of people. Uh, they're looking forward to the Ohio State Buckeyes coming back into the stadium to play. But where there once was 104 plus thousand people gathered, it may look a lot different in the crowd, maybe 50,000, maybe 40,000, maybe 30,000. But what I see is a coming together of people for the sake of entertainment. And then I hear a lot of the church members, oh, I'm not going back to church. Oh, I'm not coming back. I, I, you know, I might not. Saints, let me, let me tell you, if, if you don't have the coronavirus, you can't transmit the corona virus. It, it, it's not the coming together of people that transmits the coronavirus. It's the, it's the coming together of people who are infected with the virus. Amen? So you take precaution when we come to 
together because I understand there are atypical people. I, he I hear you, church. I hear you, 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 you old wise people of God. Uh, I hear you. Uh, there's atypical people. You, you, well, you just don't know. They don't present uh, the signs of infection. I hear you. That's why we take precautions. That's why we use wisdom. This is why we wash our hands. And as, as your pastor, I instruct you, wash your hands. I've washed my hands so much, I think my fingerprints have changed. My wife was complaining to me the other day. Her fingerprint no longer works to unlock her phone. She had to redo her fingerprint to make the phone recognize the fingerprint. I said, because you wash your hands so much, you don't wash your old fingerprint away. And now the phone doesn't know who you are. We wash our hands. We take those necessary precautions. As your pastor, I instruct you, I, I encourage you, wash your hands at every opportunity. When you touch something, disinfect yourself with the alcohol uh, disinfectant, the hand wash. We have those here at the church. So when we come back together, the first Sunday of June, the first Sunday of June, I'm calling all of the congregation back together into the house. The first Sunday of June, all the congregation back together in the house. Now, I encourage you, you know you better than anybody else. If you're sick, not feeling good, don't come. Continue to fellowship a la technology. We can have telechurch. We have telemeetings with teledoctors. We can have telechurch if we need to. Amen. I know that there are some glitches, and uh, I've been getting some reports that there has been some glitches in, in the transmission of our signal. That's nothing but the devil, but I serve a big, big God. Hallelujah. And he, he'll work that out. We'll get that straightened out. Hallelujah. But those that are able, check yourself. Check your temperature. I encourage you, check your temperature before you come to the church. The standing rule is if you're at 100.4, not 104, but 100. That's 100.4 degrees. Stay home. Isolate yourself. Hallelujah. Until that temperature comes down, go talk to a doctor. Get medical advice as to what steps to take. Just because you have a temperature doesn't mean you've got you know, the corona, hallelujah. But just for the sake of wisdom, if you have a 100.4 degree temperature, stay home. Don't come back uh, just yet. So we encourage you, wash your hands, use hand sanitizer. Uh, when you touch something uh, here at the house, we're going to do the best that we can to disinfect the house. Hallelujah. I was going to remove chairs, but I'm not going to remove chairs. The same people that live in a house together, Amen. Just sit together. If you are next to each other in your house, I, I've got news for you. Because you come to church doesn't mean that all of a sudden you're going to get infected with the coronavirus because you sat next to who you've been laying next to since this whole thing begun. As if because you left your house, now you're out of your area of protection that now they become a threat. Hallelujah. Now we will practice social distancing. So if you're not uh, in the normal company with people, uh, if they're not normally around you, amen, then 
we, we will sit apart from each other. We've got uh, enough room, hallelujah, thank God for his grace. We have enough room to spread out. This would be the, you know, we, we typically, typically you don't have to tell church folk to sit in the back. Because that, they, they like going to the back of the church. They didn't want to go to the back of the bus so many years ago, but they will go to the back of the church. Hallelujah. So, so you have license now to spread yourself out, and, and we will suspend the let's sit together and come to the front. Hallelujah. We're going to practice for a little while touchless services. You, you may hear me tell you to look at your neighbor, just disregard. Sometimes I can't help myself. I can't keep myself from saying it. But just in case I say it, just keep your mouth and everything that sprays out of it when you speak to yourself. Don't look at your neighbor. Let your neighbor be imaginary. Just like when we were little kids and we had imaginary friends. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So we will, you know, control our speaking and our touching of one another. We're going to, we're going to, uh, we're going to implement the new church hug. The world says Wakanda forever. I say Jesus forever. Hallelujah. So instead of hugging our brothers and sisters for a little while, we're just going to, just going to love on. They, they know, ah, I'm, I'm hugging on you. I'm loving on you. Hallelujah. Just doing it from a distance. Hallelujah. So we're going to practice social distancing in the church, in our seating, and in our coming together. Clean up after yourself when you go to the bathroom. Amen. Uh, uh, it's going to be incumbent upon the deacons to, if somebody goes to the bathroom, see, deacons, uh, your, your work is, is, is going to have to be vitally important because you're going to have to care for the, uh, the, the sanitation of the church. So I'm going to encourage my deacons to, somebody goes into the bathroom, put your gloves on, go in after them with the sanitary wipes and wipe down the different things that are touch points Amen. and then throw away that we, we're not going to save it. You know, like we do, well, it's not dry. I can wipe something else. No, after you've wiped, throw it away. We will get more. Hallelujah. But we want to sanitize the church before church. We want to sanitize the church as much as we can during service. And we want to sanitize the church as best we can after service. Amen. We're going to limit the coming together into the house of God for now to just our uh, Sunday morning services. Sunday morning services will continue to resume at 10 o'clock starting June, the first Sunday in June. 10 o'clock, we're going to be here in the house of God. We will suspend Sunday school, but when we come together, we will we'll be here no later than 9.30, 9.45, so we can all be in place, and we're going to start service at 10 o'clock. We're going to praise God. We're going to fellowship. We're going to give you a word from the Lord, and then we're going to go home. Amen? We're going to have a good time. We're going to practice these things. We're going to take care of ourselves. We're going to monitor each other just for the sake of the rules that are in place. We're not going to lay hands on anybody. Now, I believe that we are protected in the laying, laying on of hands. But for sake of the authorities, we will not lay hands on because I believe 
just as Jesus spoke to the centurion's servant when the centurion's servant wasn't present to have hands laid on him but was found well because of the faith that the centurion had. I believe that I can pray for you. I can speak a word over your life. And the very word that I've spoken will touch you, even though maybe I physically cannot right now. But we will, we will do that. I encourage everybody that can and will. I know that it's uncomfortable, and I know that sometimes it's frustrating, but I encourage everyone that can and will, get you a mask and wear it. They've got some real comfortable ones. As a matter of fact, uh, Mother Joe Ruth, she was sporting uh, a GMFC mask. I don't know where she got it from. I got to get with her and find out. But she had a GMFC mask. She was repping her church in the quarantine. Hallelujah. Get us a mask. Get you a comfortable mask just for sake of just in case you got it. You see, the mask isn't to really prevent you from catching anything. It's more so that nobody catches what you might have. So if you can and will, wear a mask. Cover your nose and your mouth as best you can. I know, again, that they're uncomfortable. Obviously, I can't preach with a mask on. I can't sing with a mask on. It becomes difficult to play instruments with masks on, especially things like drums and organs where you're physically moving and it's requiring a greater exchange of air. So, you know, you have to do what you can. But as best we can, wear a mask. We encourage you. It's not... I am not making it mandatory because I believe that we are protected by God. We practice safe, not S-E-X, but we practice safe living, amen, amen. as best we can. Amen. But when we cannot, then we just trust and lean on the Lord, amen. So I'm excited with these bearing rules and regulations in place. I'm, I'm excited about coming back to church when? The first Sunday in June. Hallelujah. So come on out. Don't be scared. Don't be scared. Hallelujah. Come on out. Just come on out. Let us fellowship together. Have a good time in the Lord. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We're just so thankful to God for his grace and his truth. Again, I salute the praise team and I thank you for coming out to be with me. Uh, this morning, for me, sometimes um, it's difficult to um, moderate my faith with man's rules and so on and so forth, but I do the best that I can. And wherever I am lacking, I pray that God give me wisdom, that I would continue to do his will while keeping the people of God safe in all uh, measure of living. Hallelujah. So, God has been dealing with me on our relationship with him. We, for years, for the, actually the entirety of my life, for the, matter of fact, just before I get into the word, I do want to salute my wife. Um, we celebrated 29 years of marriage on the 22nd, and I'm just so thankful to God that she, he has given me such a wonderful woman, uh, truly a gift of God, 
Um, and, and, and men, don't get mad. Uh, God created man from the dust of the, uh, of the earth, from the ground. And we're going to talk about that here in a little bit. But uh, he did something different when he created woman. He made woman. He formed woman. There is an, an indication that there was a whole lot more attention to detail in the creation of woman than there was in the creation of man. This is why women are so, they are beautiful, but they're so much more than man. You know, I'm looking for the right word here. They're, 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 they're so much complex. Thank you. Thank you. That's the word I'm looking for. They're so much, com they're so much more complex. Men are just simple. I know some of the women are saying, yeah, they're simple. But women are so much more complex, and, 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 and next Sunday we're going to kind of talk a little bit about that and, and how that plays into the relationship that we have with God, uh, but it's important that we understand there is a distinct difference, and I am so thankful for the complexity that is my wife, for the, the blessing that she has been in my life, for the 29 years of marriage that we have spent together making me a better man, a better uh, brother, a better son, a better father, uh, a better everything. She has enhanced my very existence, and I am so thankful to God for her, and I love her so very dearly. And I'm just, I just want to say in front of all these witnesses around the world, I am overjoyed that I have celebrated 29 years uh, of marriage with my best friend. Hallelujah. I also wanted to say happy birthday to my father who is in heaven having a Holy Ghost good time uh, with the Lord and all those that have transitioned to be with uh, him there. He's celebrating his birthday up there now and we're just so thankful to God uh, for him, for Elder Marshall, um, who stole my father's birthday. He's always taking something from somebody. I tell you, that Elder Marshall, boy, we're praying for him. Hallelujah. But now this is Elder Marshall's birthday. We're so, we're, we're so thankful for Elder Marshall. We thank God for the years that he has given him. Uh, he is in the uh, over 50 club. Hallelujah. And we're so thankful for that, for those years that he's extended to him. And we're looking for God to do uh, much greater things, and we pray um, a blessing of overflow, a great celebration uh, of him this day by those that love him. And because I love him, I do want to salute him and wish him the very best birthday uh, that um, any man could have. Hallelujah. Again, we're just so thankful for each and every one of you. But who is, what is man? If you would, just for a moment, I know that it's 1120. Now, uh, those of you immature saints that like to keep a clock on my sermons, uh, my sermon has not started until just now. So this previous 20 minutes, you cannot count towards me. That, that was just 
preparation. That was appetizer. That was instruction. That, those things. That, that, that wasn't my sermon. So uh, my sermon may not be too long today. Uh, Trying to get you out of here as quick as I can. But turn with me in the word of God to the book of Genesis, the first chapter. And today we're going to just talk from the 26th through the 27th verse. It is my desire and instruction from God to begin building a foundation so that once I am finished with this series, the relational standing of man with God. For those of you that are taking notes, this is the series that we are going to be working on over the next um, you know, couple of months is the relational standing of man with God. And, and, and today we're just in the process of building a foundation. I'm going to do the best that I can to teach this as best I can. Uh, this is more of a teaching because it is important and vital to your physical, mental, spiritual success in this life that we understand who and what we are in relationship to God, which includes our relationship with God. Genesis 1, 26 through 27. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he, him, male and female created he, them. We, we spend a lot of time trying to understand the plan of redemption that we might declare who are the redeemed of the Lord. I am the redeemed of the Lord, saying it uh, loud and proud. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Sometimes people looking uh, at you, asking you what you got on, you just got to respond. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. Just that split right here. You'll get that at midnight. But we spend a lot of time trying to understand our redemption without first understanding our creation. We, we, we cannot fully comprehend the reason of our being, or rather we fully cannot understand the reason of our redemption without understanding first the reason of our being. The age-old question, why am I here? And for the believer, we add to that why, after being here, would God redeem me? What is the purpose uh, we often ask, and maybe those of you that are hearing me today have thought to yourself, what is my purpose? The purpose on the individual level. What, what is the reason for my being? Why did my mother and father come together and form me? What is the reason? What is it that I am to do? Who is it that I am to be? Why is it that I am? Sometimes a question that never seemingly gets answered in its depth. We, 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 we play around on the surface, 
but understanding the depth and being at peace with our being has been something that, has, we, that we've struggled to comprehend. What was God's ultimate purpose in our creation? My wife and I were having a conversation the other day about the difference between need and desire. It's nice that my wife needs me. It's nice that I need her. But if our relationship is solely built upon need, we are destined to fail. Because eventually need will be satisfied. And if need then becomes the foundation of your existence, once need is no more, then you cease to exist. So then our relational standing with each other has to be much more than need. Do I need my wife? Of course I need my wife, but that's not the reason that I'm with my wife. As we were talking, I, I, I shared with, I said, honey, I'm with you because I want to be here. I choose to be here as an act of my will All right. to be present in your life. We don't have to conversate. We were sitting there and we were on the phones and she was, was wanting to have a conversation. I, and it just, it just was just one of those moments I didn't have a whole lot to say. And, and, and we were just talking, and then I got quiet and, you know, started, you know, you know what we do nowadays. We're, we're technology-driven. We, I don't know if we know what to do if we didn't have our technology. And I started, you know, fooling around with the phone, and um, she was like, hey, you're not paying me any attention. I said, I'm in your presence. You're in my presence. We don't have to talk all the time. Just being together. Because, 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 because I'm, I'm, I'm just satisfied. I don't have a necessity to garner your attention all the time. Because I am in your presence, I have your attention, whether I want it or not. Because you are in my presence. Now, if you leave, I'll know you're gone. So, I was attentive to your presence even though I may have been doing other things. There is, there is more to our relationship than some task-oriented connection. In other words, I'm with, I'm, I'm with you. We're in each other's presence. So because we're in each other's presence, we have to be doing something. We have to be conversating. We have to be solving the world's problems. We have to be planning for the future. Hallelujah. But those of us who are who God is maturing have come to an understanding that sometimes being with each other does not require you to complete a task. We don't have to be doing something to solidify our togetherness. Hallelujah. Let me let me get into the word creation 101. Creation 101. 
What does it mean when scripture says that man was created in the image, in the likeness of God? To understand this, we have to take a look at the God that projects the image from which we were created to understand our own creation. If we're going to understand what it is we are the image of, we can better understand our own reflection. How many of you have stood in the mirror and looked at yourself and just shook your head? Mm, 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 mm. I don't know what in the world is wrong with me. I don't, I don't recognize what's looking back. I think many of us throughout the uh, time of our life, we, we've had that self-assessment. We've had that conversation with our own selves, trying to figure out our own existence. To understand our existence, we have to understand that which we were, were created to reflect in our existence. To understand who we are, we have to know who he is. If we are the express image of the Godhead, then we need to know what the Godhead is. God is what? Perfect. Now watch this. If God is perfect, and man was created in the image and in the likeness of God, then when he created man, he created man like himself, which means man was created in perfection. So the first thing you have to understand about redemption is redemption is the process of restoration to what something once was. So when we fell, lost our perfection, when Jesus came, there was a reconnection or a reestablishment to that which we were. So now, when I look at myself in the mirror, I don't have to shake my head. I can say I am not less than, but I am more than. My perfection has been restored in the image of God. Now understand, uh, not man today, but man as he was in the original creation, God made him perfect. So when God first created man, was, man was just like God, created in perfection, created without any flaw, or man didn't have defect. Man, you know, when babies were born, in the mind of God, they didn't have a doctor that was paid thousands of dollars to count fingers and toes to make sure you were not uh, any, didn't have any defect. The expectation was is that when the baby came out, it came out with 10 fingers and 10 toes and two legs and two arms and, and, and what have you, understand? There was no defect. There were no um, uh, flaws of any kind in the body. Man had a perfect body. Man had a perfect mind. Man had perfect health. Man had perfect intelligence. God created man in perfection. Perfection is more than just a physical uh, thing. Perfection is a spiritual thing. Thing. It is a psychological thing. It is a uh, mental thing. It is a relational thing. Perfection in all the essence of what man is, is what man was in man's creation. Man didn't get sick. Man didn't experience the corona. 
There was no COVID 19, 18, 17, 16, 15, 14, 13, 12, 11, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. There was no COVID in the creation of man. Man was so perfect, man didn't have accidents. There was no accidents. Man didn't trip because he walked perfectly. Man didn't get the, to experience these things. His ability to learn was even beyond our current level of learning of our most educated and intellectually intelligent people. Man experienced no pain. Man experienced no suffering. He sensed no alienation. There was no emptiness. There was no loneliness in man. Man never shed a tear of sadness, never experienced sorrow or had to deal with grief. And above all, man was free of sin and corruption. Free to live forever and never to die. One of the things, the misconception and the misunderstanding of the creation of man in the reflection or the in, as we reflect the image of God was that there was a uh, time, a lifespan for man in, its, in his original creation. We were created in the image and the likeness of God. And because we were created in the image and the likeness of God, the, the lifespan of man was eternal. Now, we, we, we don't experience that today in the physical sense, but your spiritual being lives eternally. Your physical being does not. Your physical being is suffering from the condition of the world. So this physical man now experiences all these things that man never experienced in his creation. Man was created perfect in the very image and in the very likeness of God's perfection. God don't get sick, so man didn't get sick. God don't, uh, you know, uh, God's not a defect, so man didn't have to have a defect. And part of the plan of redemption is to return man that very perfection that he once had. You see, there is something that, that, that's vitally important in the return of ourselves to our original created state because our original created state is where God's original intention for fellowship with man is revealed. We see our relationship with God as connected to our pre-redemptive selves which means I have to uh, my relationship with God is I have to recognize that I'm a sinner in need of a savior I have to recognize that Jesus is the son of God I have to believe in his death burial resurrection as if that that, that is all that there is to the relationship of of man to God that 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 the, the whole salvation process is all that exists between man and God. That the unconditional love of God toward us and the love that we have toward God is just connected to a plan of salvation after which there is nothing else. Which if that holds true, then after you're saved, your relationship with God then becomes meaningless if all there is between God and us is our salvation. 
And we see God and we relate to God and we behave in this life as if that is all that there is. But God is so much more than our salvation. He desires so much more than just to save you. Salvation is a process of, res of restoring you to who you were so you can enjoy what his intention was in the beginning for his relationship and your relationship with him. We were perfect and in the fall of Adam removed from perfection in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus restored to perfection so that we can enjoy what was the relationship of man to God and God to man. Matthew 5 and 48 says, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. I cannot be perfect in my fallen state. So Jesus, to fulfill his own word, gave us a plan of redemption so that as we are now the redeemed, we are returned to perfection. We can now fulfill Matthew 5 and 48. Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father which is in heaven is perfect. Perfect or perfection is not guided by the things you do. It is something that you are. It doesn't say, be, or do ye therefore perfection, even as your Father which is in uh, heaven is perfect. It says, be ye. Not do ye, but be ye. Be perfect. The, the process of perfection is the, it's a being. It's who we are, not what we do. Because who we are, the things we do become perfect. It's not that we are perfect because we do perfect things. We are perfect because we are created in the image of God. And because we're created in the image of God, the things then that we do are perfect things. We have to understand the, the difference between the two. Whom we preach, warning every man and teaching every man in all wisdom that we may present every man perfect in Christ. Christ is the restoration of our perfection. So when I begin to look at myself, I, I, I stop looking at the external flaws of this physical man. I stop thinking about Arthur and his cousin Itis, who are forever bothering me. And I remind myself that housed within this skeletal frame is the perfection of of God and in the perfection of God which is the expressed image of my being the very things of this physical body don't define me and because they don't define me I won't allow them to confine me I preach and I teach with the hopes that everyone who hears me is uh, uh, will be able to fulfill the desire of this very text in Colossians 1 and 28, that you may return to your perfection in Christ rather than trying to live out man's failed attempt to be perfect outside of Christ. Behavioral-based ideology. 
an ideology, a theology that has even infected the church where we determine or we judge the level of our being uh, based upon our behavior. We even look at people and judge them based upon their behavior. But what does God's word declare? God's word declares he's, he's not looking at the behavior, and behavior is external. Behaviors are external things. There, there are things that, that are performed outwardly. But what does God look at? He looks at the heart. He looks at the internal working. You see, some of us have a behavior that says we're saved while our heart screams we are not. How do I know this? This is why everyone that thinks they're going to heaven ain't going to heaven. Jesus, what did Jesus say? What does his word say? His word says that there's coming a day when, we, when you know, they're going to use as a defense, did I not cast out devils in your name? And what is Jesus' response? Ye who work iniquity, depart from me, for I never knew you. There was an outward act, a behavior that professed salvation, while the inward the difference between doing and being, the doing said one thing while the being said something else. I don't so much get twisted. As a matter of fact, the Bible says that if you're in Christ, you, you ought not to even be offended. Immature Christians get offended. Immature Christians get offended. Because if you're in Christ, you're at peace. This is what the Bible says. If you're in Christ, you are at peace. And nothing, it doesn't say some things. It doesn't say when my best friend doesn't do right. It says nothing shall offend me. We're trying to understand the difference between doing and being. Understanding who I am will lead me to understanding why I am. What else is God? God is light. He's full of the glory, the splendor, and the brilliance of light. Uh, this means that there's no darkness in God. There isn't any darkness in him. So then in the man creation, man is clothed with glory and light. Then there is no darkness in man in his creation. The plan of redemption is to remove the darkness or the stain of sin. What's a stain? A stain is something that blocks the original color. When you get a stain on your shirt, what does it do? It changes its, the original color that was to be displayed. Sin is a stain that is, it, it introduces darkness to block the light of God, redemption then becomes the stain remover. Why? Why does the stain need to be removed? Because I'm being restored to my state of light. My state of being able to express the glory of God. And because I'm in a place where I can now express the glory of God, then there is now no darkness in me. And because there's no darkness in me, there is no devil that can sit on my shoulder and whisper in my ear because there's no darkness in me. 
The Bible says this in 1 John 1 and 5. This then is the message which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. So then in me, then I have to understand and remember as I'm trying to understand who I am so I can understand the reason of my being, so I can understand my purpose. I have to understand that not only am I restored in perfection in the mind of God, but I'm also restored into my brilliance, into my glory or into my light. So then when I see myself, I don't see the darkness of my carnal nature, but I see the brilliance of my divine nature, which is a reflection of the image of God's glory or light in all of creation. When I begin to see myself differently, I begin to respond to myself differently. My thought process begins to change because I understand I'm not the darkness I was prior to my redemption. I have become the light that God created me to be prior to my fall. Oh, help me, Holy Ghost. I'm at 25 minutes for those of y'all keeping a clock. 25 minutes. God is holy. What is holy? Sinless, righteous, pure, and moral. God is holy. So when man was created in the image and the likeness of God, then man was created holy. Man was created distinctively set apart from all other life in creation. Man is holy. What is holy? The core meaning of holy is set apart. Unique, specific, designated. Kiefer Sutherland used to have a te television series. I think it's still on Netflix. Designated Survivor. He was set apart to survive an attack upon the government. So he wasn't where, what? The rest of the government was. Designated survivor. So when all the governmental agencies come together, if you ever pay attention, typically, except for in this current administration, typically you rarely see the president and the vice president in the same place at the same time. Because the purpose of the vice president is to take over if something should happen to the president. But if they're constantly together, then whatever happens to the president is more than likely to happen to the vice president, which then breaks the line of succession, which the next one becomes the Speaker of the House. So then you keep going down this line, and if everyone is always together, you can take them all out. So the government has a process that in the times when all the leadership is together, there's always somebody that is set apart. There is always a remnant that is set apart from everybody else. So when everybody else fall, the remnant, I'm, I'm, I'm really trying not to preach, so then when I look in the mirror, I don't see myself as part of the populace, but I see myself as 
a remnant, that which is set apart, that which because of redemption has been put back into a state of holiness. I got to understand who I am so I can understand how and why I can relate to God. It's okay to say I'm in right standing with God, but right standing for what? So he can bless me. There has to be more to my relationship with God than seeking a blessing. There has to be more between God and I. There has to be a reason beyond my eternal destination. There has to be something that I'm missing that God would take his only son. Charge him to carry upon himself my sin. In fact, to become my sin so that I can become his righteousness. There has to be more. There has to be something greater that I'm missing. There has to be something that I, that I fell asleep on. I must have missed this in, 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 in my basic Bible class. There has to be something that God is trying to push us to as we reconnect with him in this idea of who we are. Remember, God didn't tell you to do perfection. He said, be ye perfect. God also says, because it is written, be ye holy, for I am holy. He didn't tell you to do holiness. He said, be holiness. Be it. It's a being, not a doing. Holiness is not something I pick up and put down at my leisure. Holiness is something that I am at my Core And because I am holy, then the things that I do are set apart because that's what holiness is. Holiness is a thing that is unique and identified, specific, set apart to God. So then the things I do are things that are set apart to who? God. Why? Because I am holy. Let me just give you, let me just give you this last one, because I'm, I'm trying to keep this at like 30, 30 minutes. I know I'm a little bit past that, and I'm really starting to feel it, and, 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 and I don't want to preach it. I want to teach it. God is love. God don't do love. God is love. Tina said, what, what, what's love got to do about it? Love's got everything to do about it because that is what God is. That is the everything of God. He's devoted, loyal, merciful, gracious, compassionate. We say that the love of God is unconditional, yet we ponder the question why he does not intervene when someone does something that harms someone else. 
What then becomes unconditional love? Is it the same kind of love that we share between each other today? Which is more reflective of not the unconditional standing of love that is God, but the transactional love that has become man. We have ceased to reflect the unconditional love of God. If, if, let me explain it to you this way. Because of the unconditional love of God, even when it was your fault, God took it upon himself to deal with it. By sacrificing his son. And because he sacrificed his son, the expression of unconditional love, when we look at ourselves, we don't see this unconditional love between each other. We see transactional love. I'm all right with you. You're all right with me as long as the transaction is beneficial both ways. The transaction, the behavior that we share amongst each other. But if you're having a bad day, then my love is affected. Now I've got an attitude with you. Now I've got some harsh words for you. Because I have transactional love, not unconditional love. Unconditional love sees beyond the transaction. Unconditional love does not get frustrated with your failure. Understanding who you are, that you're perfect, there is no failure. That you're holy, you already set your things apart to God. So then unconditional love then becomes easy for us to have with one another. Because my love is not predicated by your behavior, it's based upon my being. Wow. I don't do love I am love, therefore, love is what I do. Why? Because I've been redeemed. What is redeemed? I've been brought back to my original state of being, and since my being determines my doing, if you're trying to figure out who you are, look at your doing because it tattletales on your being. Now watch this. The ultimate expression of God's love is found in the free will that he gives to his creation. The ultimate expression of God's unconditional love for each and every one of us is that he never usurps our will. He loves us so much that he allows you to do you. Do you, boo. It's what God says. Do you. The question is, who is the you? Is it the you in your fallen state or is it the you after redemption where the you becomes him? So then the you you do is him in process of being. Then I become God in the expression of who I am. So then everything I do is a manifestation of the who that I am. This life I now live, I live not by the power of who I was but who I am, the I am that was in the beginning, the I am that is God, the I am whose name is above every name, whose tongue and 
shall, and the name that shall cause every tongue to profess that he is what? Lord. I'm trying not to preach. But I feel something about this unconditional love. This very thing that I have become. We fail because we keep trying to practice something that we're not. But if you would just simply be whom God says that you are, who God redeemed you to be, I have been redeemed in this time. What does the word say? The word in 1 John 4, 7 through 8 says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is of God, and everyone that loveth is born of God, and knoweth God. He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is love. So if God is love, and those that know God function in love, oh, how beauty would the human community be if we would allow ourselves to express who we are in him. There wouldn't be arguments in the house. God don't argue with you. God is love. He doesn't argue with you. He doesn't get mad when you don't see it his way. He doesn't put you in the penalty box because you don't see it his way. This is what husbands and wives do with each other. They put each other in the penalty box. Because you don't do what, you, what they think you ought to do. Wives do this because there's this thing, there's this physical intimacy that's uh, desired between man and woman. And, and, and so what, what is, this is a strong desire of men and, and, and uh, it's also a strong desire of women. So what do we do? What is the ultimate penalty box between people who are in an intimate relationship? It is the withholding. Let me let you know a secret. You, you should not, according to the word of God, withhold intimacy with your married partner when you're in right standing because the only reason to withhold is when you're praying or when you're fasting. So if I'm not praying or fasting, I should be intimate. Well. I'm trying to help you married uh, folk out. I'm trying, I'm, trying, I'm, trying, I'm trying to help you out. I'm trying to help you out. We, we take a vacation from intimacy sometimes. We, we put, put each other in dependence. It's so long, you, you forget what to do. And then it's over before you know it. Because it's been so long. I know, they're like, where, where, is something wrong? No, no, they, they ain't, that ain't the problem in my house. I got a good woman. I would tell you if I could, but I can't. That's just private. First John 4 and 16. And we, and we have known and believed the love that God hath to us. God is love. And he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God. And God in him. I got to stop right there. Oh, man, there's so much, there's so much to this. 
There is so much to understanding who we are in God to determine our being rather than our doing. We're so uh, uh, betwixt in our thinking connected to our doing that we miss altogether our being when it is our being that determines our doing in the first place. Which is why the plan of redemption was released into man so that man could be who God had created man to be. Because we cannot fulfill our original intended pur purpose in fellowship with God if we do not understand who we are in God. If I don't know that I'm my wife's husband, I just think I'm a man and she's a woman and we're in relationship but I don't recognize or know her in the being as my wife, then I cannot practice the things. I cannot enjoy the things that are connected to her being my wife. Not doing my wife, but being my wife. I have no access because I lack understanding. I lack clarity. I lack vision of her purpose. So then I can't enjoy the benefit of her being my wife. We have been robbing ourselves of our purpose and not being able to enjoy the benefits of our relationship with God. Our right standing with God is not just about our salvation. Salvation is our process of restoring us to a place where you can benefit from the more than that God is. I know you Holy Ghost sanctified filled saints of the most high God. You have reached your saturation point. So I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you a break. I'm going to give you a break. I'm going to give you a break. Uh, but I encourage you, come back next week. Come, come back next week because I haven't even, I've just talked about some of the, the surface stuff. I haven't even really got down deep into what God is trying to get you to understand about who you are, about the uh, element of your creation. God wants you to understand that you were created in his, you are, you are unique in the mind of God. And because you're unique in your creation, because God took time when he formed you, oh, the plan of redemption is a restoration to what God formed you to be in his mind before the creation of man. God took some time with you. He held counsel with himself. God looked into his own mind, spoke with his own spirit, and released his own word and said, let us, let us, let us make man in our image. Uh, but I'm only on the surface. I'm only on the surface. I, I haven't even gotten through the outer layer to get to the inner layer. Oh, I'm just dealing with the surface stuff today.
Uh, but if you want to go the next level with me, you ought to come back next Sunday. You ought to tune back in next Sunday. You ought to come ready to hear something about who you are in God. Because God is breaking the outer core. God is peeling you like an onion from layer to layer. God is removing all the things off of the outside of you that's preventing you from understanding who you are. From understanding why you are so you can enjoy the benefit of being in right relationship with him oh y'all to come back y'all to come back y'all better come back you better come back y'all to come back y'all to come back because I feel a move of the Holy Ghost up in here up in here the fire of the Holy Ghost is in this place the old change used to say it's a mighty burning fire down on the inside of me wax on wax off Hallelujah. Woo! Help me, Holy Ghost. Woo! Mm. Come on back next week. Oh, because when God gets done with this, there is absolutely nothing you will not be able to accomplish. Oh, when God gets done with telling you who you are, there is absolutely nothing that you will not be able to accomplish. Why? Because with God, all things are possible. So if I am then restored in my creation to being the express image of God, if nothing then is impossible for the God I serve, and I am restored in the likeness of God, then all things become possible for me to accomplish because I am that I am. The life I live, I now live by the power of the Holy Ghost that is living on the inside of me. Jesse is dead and Jesus Jesus, J-E-S-U-S, is alive in me. The hope of glory, the lily in the valley, the bright and morning star, the great I am. The devil don't want you to know. The word says that he came to the earth in great wrath. Why? Because he understood his time was short. I got a message for the devil. Your time of messing with me 
is not short, it's over. Because mine eyes have seen the glory of the coming of the Lord. Ah, ah, the glory of the Lord is here right now. Yeah. 